So I'm really excited about where City Hill is going. And if this morning is any evidence to go by, I feel God has drawn very close to us during the last year that we've had. The, the boat, the boat has, has held the storm and has proved to be strong and useful. <clears throat> and is, this, is my voice bugging you? Are you all right? It's bugging me. Pray for me. <laughs> Last year, um, Tim had the word, and we worked through that. The whole year was going deeper, getting deeper into relationship with God, getting deeper into understanding Him, getting deeper into our, uh, our interaction with Him. And I think He did that anyway. Whether we thought we were doing it or not, He did it. And then Fiddler's, good to see you still down from Zoburg. Great, great preach last weekend. Really good. And for those of you that didn't catch it or weren't here on New Year's Day, please uh, get it, look it up on YouTube. What Fiddler spoke about was <clears throat> this year, I don't believe it's limited to our calendar time, but this year God is saying, enlarge your tent. Enlarge your tent. It's not just a suggestion from God. I, when I started studying it, it's actually a command that he gave to his people. And he went through a whole lot. We're going to start. I'll start it off. It came from Isaiah 54. And those of you that have brought your Bibles, which is excellent, thank you. Um, I'm reading from the ESV. And uh, it says this. This is God speaking to his people. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Do not hold back. We need to hear that. Do not hold back. In other words, God's saying, in my sin, don't restrain me. I'm going forward with this thing. Lengthen your cords. And we can analyze in time as the year goes what that means. What does it mean to increase our habitation? What does it mean to lengthen our cords, to enlarge our tent? But for the moment, we hear the words of the Lord. And strengthen your stakes, those uprights that keep the, the tent in order. Now listen to this. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring, this church, the offspring, the outpouring, the planting from this church, as well as our lives individually. Your offspring will possess the nations and will populate the desolate cities. That is a very powerful word. And I think that we're going to need to be praying through that when we meet on Tuesday nights. I mean, we can read it, but we need to read it. We, we need it, yeah. What God's actually saying, because on the surface of it, you say, yeah, I can tighten my tent ropes. and make. That's not what God's referring to. He's talking about an attitude, a mindset, a declaration from God to his people, not wondering if they must do it. That is what his instruction is. So our instruction to the leadership of this church, God's instruction, I believe, to the leadership of this church, enlarge the tent pegs, uh, the tent, because I'm doing something big. Your offspring will populate all nations. Praise be to God. Just on that 
that little, that's not, by the way, the main theme. That was just my first line of my introduction. So from what I picked up from that, God is still moving. Some of us think that 2022 was the year of the moving of the Lord, the shaking, the, the hardship we got through, and everything was against everything. But God carried us through. God hasn't even taken a, a slight step break in his step. You see, God sees the whole thing holistically. And everything forms part of the same plan. And God hasn't stopped moving. Whatever he started, whenever he started, so we can go to Genesis 1 verse 1, whatever he started on that day, in the beginning, he's still doing. He's never stopped moving. And in our little lives, if we put the whole of human existence into, into context, in our little portion of it, um, we might say, well, that was what God did at that time. Exactly who prayed that this morning? I think it was Brent. Get stuck on a thing that's happened in the past and say that's how God does it. But we've got a God that, that is doing this completely bigger than everything. And the question that God would ask me and, and you and ev every other person who's listening later in the week have we been diligent? I'd, I'd just like that word to go into your heart. Have you been diligent? I'm not talking about obeyed. I'm not talking about done the right thing because it was the right thing to do. Have you been diligent in following the cloud in the day and the fire at night? When it's dark and you can't see anything, God, you see, he's the light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. We've got the light. But have we been diligent in following it? Or have we tried to solve it on our own, with our own thinking, listening to input from others, just as the book of Job, that where all his friends came and everyone had something to say, everyone, that we don't lend our ears to, to things except God. So the first thing, God is moving. The second thing is, have we been diligently following him? Because his word that, that I've just read is for now. Now is the time not to back away. And to the guys, whatever we've done at City Hill in the last year and right up from its inception, eight years, nine years is going to be this year, nine years ago, this is not the time to back away from it. This is the time to run forward. And, it, and you'll find it in the scripture we've just read in Isaiah. Uh, God says, do not hold back. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Now he's saying that to us as people, as individuals. And you need to be able to answer him by yourself, face to face with him. And he's coming to you this morning and saying to you personally, do not hold back. I've got things for you. Trust me. Even if you don't understand, trust me, I understand. I wanted to share a story about knowing what it feels like to have your, your, yourself stretched <laughs> or your, your tent enlarged. I was in Australia last year in June. I landed back here in July. And just after we landed, I, I mean, we were in Joburg. Peter called me and he said, when will you be back in Durban because you need to take over the overseeing of the church for a couple of months? I said, 
well, put the phone down. This woman came back and I said, really, what? What is going on here? You know that I want to tell you a story. When, when I joined church, my deal with Tim was I would not get into anything. That I would sit in the back row because all I wanted to do was enjoy the worship and hear a good teaching. That was it. And if he put, me, put pressure on me to do anything more, I would be out of here. And the next thing I was doing, home cell, a series. And then I became a deacon. And then he had me go through the eldership training. And then I was an elder. And then God says, now just oversee the whole church while you're about it. I've never done it. For those of you, you might have picked it up. I'm not experienced in running churches. God anointed me to do it for a period. The period is coming to a very fast end, praise God. That he uses his people with specific reasons for specific times with specific anointings. But the reality is I didn't plan this. I didn't even know it was coming and I didn't see it coming. But God said, this is what you're going to do and I'm with you. And I was stretched. Guys, the first month when I spoke to Tim, I, I would say to him, you know, I've been a, a, a general manager of three international divisions of a company at the same time. That was a walk in the park <laughs> compared to overseeing a, a small, I call it a small congregation, 100 people. The difference is as a as a boss in the corporate world, it's either my way or the highway. Very easy. In the church context, God's character is the central theme. So it's not, yeah, there are, there's structure, there are rules, there's discipline, but never at the cost of relationship. Restoration. Primary things to God. So I'm speaking firsthand. I've got many other examples, but then it would just take all day. But that's the most recent. If we look at what Paul says um, in Galatians 5, and in fact, this is where most of the readings are going to come from. We spoke about it. It was prayed in the prayer meeting. It was prayed up front today. It was sung about. And this is the word from God. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Why? For freedom. No other agenda. For freedom, Christ has set us free so that we can have freedom. And then he says, this is Paul's add-on, stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You, we've all been set free. And I'll go into the detail of what his specific reference is in a moment. But the word that Paul says is this, and you can take it in any context you like. If you've been set free through, by God, don't step back and pick up the things that were there and start carrying them again with you. You've been set free from those things. Leave them. They've been dealt with. And uh, the reference to that, that, that very point, the yoke of slavery... And the yoke of slavery refers, is referring to the law of sin and death. The law, sin and death. The reference is 1 Corinthians 15, if you want to make a note of that. This is what Paul's also, but now he's saying it to the Corinthians. The sting of death is sin. 
And the power of sin is the law. And then he goes on to, so does that mean the law is bad? The obvious questions, and he deals with it. If you haven't read it, read it. Good, very good. So what have we been set free from by Jesus paying the price that he paid on the cross? We have been set free from the yoke of the law which causes sin, which brings death, eternal death, not physical death, eternal death. We've been set free from that. And I'm going back to Galatians 7. Now, this is another personal question we need to be asking ourselves. By the way, guys, if, if I'm, I have run out of time, you're welcome to leave whenever you want to. Those who want to stay, you're welcome to stay. Now, uh, verse 7, you were running well. You were running well. Colin, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Think about it. Where have I not obeyed the truth and what was the context of it? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. And now I want to bring it into a contextual space of the church. Even in the church, we might do things or we might be asked to do things because that is the culture of the, the church or the group of churching or whatever the case may be. But it might be completely contrary to what God wants. But we do it because it is the religion of that group of ministry. And I'm not talking about not agreeing that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm talking about uh, interpretations on certain things or whatever the case may be. And, and Paul says, this persuasion, when someone, and I, we've been in a church, I'm not talking as if I don't know. We've been in such a church. This persuasion is not from him who calls you. It's from others who want to build you up and feed you up on what they believe. And, it, and then he warns them, a little leaven, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Start small. Raymond, we were talking about it. No, it wasn't Raymond. Shonai and Jay, we were talking about it earlier. Little thing starts like this. The next thing you know, it's right through. It's yeast. Uh, I'm going to jump again. I'm going to leave out the next one because for time's sake. And verse 13, Galatians 13. And I hope, I hope you're receiving this. I hope the Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord, that what is your word penetrates and finds good soil. And everything that I add is irrelevant, counts for nothing. Paul talks in verse 13, he says to this to every member of the church. Now imagine this. What's, how, many people have, how many times have you heard people say, I'll stay here, we need to draw marks. How many times have you heard people say, I don't know what my calling is. I don't know, yeah, I'm not sure, I'm not this, I'm not that. Well, Galatians 5, uh, 5 verse 13 says, You were called to freedom. That's it. Everything else from that point, God does. Through you. In you. By you, but it's not you. What you've been called to is freedom. 
Where do we get the freedom? In Christ. That's all we've been called to. You don't have to sit and wonder and contemplate and do crossword puzzles and uh, isometric testing to see what your calling is. Man, sit with God a lot and ask Him what your calling is or what you should be doing. So we've been called, and make it clear, this is your foundation stone. You've been called for freedom. For freedom. That's what Jesus called you. So you could be set free now. Guess where your freedom ends? Well, it doesn't. It goes on to eternity. It never ends. You've been called out of a place of darkness and death into freedom forever with him. Man, that's a big give. That's a big give. Only, and this is a very an awakening point. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. I'm free, therefore I'll, I can do this. I'll be forgiven. Therefore, I can do this. Grace, grace is over me. That's a cop out, and Paul goes into that in a big way with regards to how we trample the, we crucify Christ again every time we purposefully go against what His will is and what His word is. And yeah, guess what? He's a gracious God, but in the in the act, we must be careful that we don't misuse Him. Um, for the whole law is fulfilled, and still hang, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word: you shall love your neighbour as yourself. That's the law. Remember, Jesus said, I've, "I'll give you one. I'll give you a better law: love one another as I've loved you." This completes. This fulfils the prophets. And all the law. Is the law valid? Absolutely. Is the law good? Absolutely. Do we need to be subjected to it? No, because Jesus lived according to it completely. And he came and paid the price for us, not him. He did nothing. And then he turns around and says, I'll tell you what, you want to wrap, wrap up the law? You want to wrap up what it's about? I'll give you one sentence. Love one another. Love one another. Love is contrary to the darkness of this world. Think about it. Love is the only thing that is fighting for, for space in this world because love is not a trending topic. Everything in the world that's trending, you'll, you won't find love. Some people, are, some very clever people such as, I believe scientists are supposed to be clever, so I never did science. They're now even wondering if there is such a thing as love. What is love? Define love. But you know, that's an old question that God defined years ago in Greek. Eros, agape, phileo, storge. Those are your four kinds of love. You want to know what they are? You can go and read them up. I'm not going to give it to you. I think there's obligation that you also get involved with where you're going to. And... Um, Jump into verse 16. This is Paul speaking. Now, and this is my final conclusion. If I end now, it will actually end the sentiment. Just by before I go there. I had something completely different prepared until this week. And God said, you, that's, the, not, that's not what I, that's what you want to tell everyone, but that's not what I want to tell everyone. So just turn over the page, start blank, and I'll give you the I'll give you the points. 
So it's, it's very, very <laughs> what Paul says in verse 16 is very important. But I say, walk by the Spirit. What does that mean? Let the Spirit be your only, the Holy Spirit I'm talking about, not brandy or anything else. <laughs> we don't walk by that Spirit. Walk by the Spirit of God and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What are the desires of the flesh supposed to do? 17. For the desires of the flesh are against your spirit. You haven't just, it's not just that. Your flesh wars against your spirit. And it's not a little war. Those of you who've had to go through, I don't know, whatever it is, trying to give up, let's say, give up drinking or decided you want. It's not easy. It's a war. And that's where we need Jesus the most to come and stand with us in our battles. Because it's a war that the devil gets involved in. He likes it. Yeah, that's a good fight for him. Because it can end up being just you against him. It's not that at all. So the, 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 the flesh is actually opposed to the spirit. And against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. I don't know how many remember that first time, if you have had that first time. If you haven't, we have it today. But the first time you made a commitment, you felt God saying to you, I want you in my family. I've died for you. And you know that. I've told you that. Now you know that. And, so, and someone says, will you please come to the front? The desire of the Spirit is to go there and be prayed for and, have, and to be reborn. What does the flesh say? Ah, everyone's going to be looking at you. You don't have to do this. You can hide. You can be a hero. You can laugh at, you can laugh at them when we walk at you. And that's a typical type of thing. It's not what this is about. I'm just using that as a reference. But that's a, an example of the conflict that happens. Um, because they're opposed to one another now. I wonder if we're going to get there. Okay. We're going into... Uh, Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So you, every person in this earth is under the law. Understand that. Everyone. We. Everyone. Until we make Jesus Christ our Lord. And we stand under the, the price and the blood and the covenant that he's made. And we are no longer under the law. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? We, we don't have to pay the price for the law. It's already been paid. But every other single person in this world will have to pay the price of not sticking to the law. Uh, praise be to God. And then he breaks it down into, in, in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are, and I've done this in a table. If, if the, there we go. Just, just for ease sake to read. The works of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. And sorcery you should look into as well because many things that people think are nothing are actually something. Uh, enmity, strife. Okay, enough said about strife. I, I should probably put my name first there. Jealousy, fits of anger. Never had it in my life, but I believe it exists. <laughs> Rivalries, uh, dissension, Division, 
envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like. I warn you, now this is quite serious, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Guys, that's plain and simple, and I never said it. If the left is what you are, carry on, because you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Very clear. And then he goes on in 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Not 20% of the time, not even 70% of the time. Always. Always. Because that is the fruit. Oh, that's my fruit. No, it's not your fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. If you say the Spirit is in you, these are the things that are going to be coming out of you. So if I can do this 50% of the time, I'm going to be saying, well, probably you're doing it in your own strength a lot of the time. You're trying to live up to the part. Don't. You either are the Holy Spirit or you're not. And if you're not, repent and get Him to come and live through you. Okay, but the fruit of the Spirit is this. Against such things there is no law. So he clarifies that. And to those who belong to Christ Jesus uh, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, if we say we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited or provoking one another or envying one another or, and we must be bearing one another's burdens so that the, and so fulfill the law of Christ, not of Moses, of Christ. And my conclusion is this. I couldn't say it, I couldn't end it in any better way than what Paul does in, verse, in chapter 6, verse 7. He says, and, and I love this, this is like, if you thought of reasons in, while we've been going along, why this doesn't really apply to me. This is, what, this is what he says. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. I can be deceived. I can deceive you. I can put on facades. I can look the parts. I can tick all the blocks, boxes. And I may deceive an entire congregation. And maybe even of a mega church, as they call them in America. But God is not mocked. And we need to remember that. We need to remember that's the, we, that. Should be, that's where I believe when Paul talks about the fear of God, this is what he's talking about. He's not mocked. Don't make, don't make vapor. Uh, make statements, bland statements about your Christianity or what you this or what you then. Because that, 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 if it's not true, God is not mocked. He won't, he won't accept anything less from me. For, for whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh, me first, whatever's left, I'll, I'll help people, I'll give to the, the movement of, of God's body forward, I'll do this and I'll do this. And then when you ask, you, you're not challenging them, when you say, oh, and what should you give you? Oh, no. They start with what they give not with what they keep. And I'm not saying we need to help. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel here. This is 
just the thing that Paul says. So if you sow into your own flesh, you will from the, from the flesh reap corruption. We don't have to go very far. In fact, we don't have to leave South Africa for, for this to, to see that this is absolutely valid. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. That's where you want to be putting your money, your, your seed into. That's where you want to be sowing into. Even if you feel like, hey, I, I feel like I'm doing this to get rewards. Get rewards. Sow into your spirit. You've got two investments in your life that you need to make. Cho a choice. You've got this option or that option. This option, immediate return, fun, joy, des uh, depression, death, death. Maybe. Long-suffering. Uh, no immediate gain. Uh, whatever the case may be. Eternity, life, and life in abundance. Jesus said, rather store those treasures in heaven. Rather put your stuff. Rather bank with the bank of heaven than with the bank of earth. Because in heaven, they're not going to break into and steal it. It's not going to rust because we live so close to the ocean. Ah, we will get to the last sentence. Sorry, please, can you get the last sentence? <laughs> and let us not grow weary of doing good. Now, this, this is where I actually want to leave off for the next person to pick up because this is what I believe the theme God has started last year, carried through fiddlers, and, and what I believe that God wants, the, the crux of what he wants to say. Let us not grow weary of doing good. Don't get tired of doing good things. Don't get tired of doing good things. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Don't give up. If you feel you're that close to giving up, go find someone who can sit with you and talk to you and pray with you and encourage you and whatever. But don't give up. <laughs> Brent asked me the other day, how you what's that mean? He said, how are you feeling? By the way, for those that know, I went for an op a while ago. He said, how are you feeling? I said, well, I'm still standing. And, there was, and I thought immediately of the song by who's the, who said Fred or Fra, right Fred said Fred's dead or something like that. I get knocked down, but I get up again. And that's us. God actually in, in Proverbs says, a righteous man may stumble, but he will never fall headlong. Will never be cast headlong because the Lord God will lift him up. So I get knocked down. You get knocked down. Life knocks us down. But guess what? We stand up again. We're like one of those balloons. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not our power <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit come come and wonderful eh? ah my word thank you Lord so let us do good to everyone and then I, and he ends with this and especially to those who are of the household of faith guys we need to love each other in this place if we can't love each other in this place we, we cannot take it anywhere else. So if we're not getting it right here, stay here until you're getting it right. It's not just something that eludes you. You will find it. It will happen. God will bring it. But, but loving one another, especially those who are in the household of faith, 
is fundamental to being able to love your neighbor. It's fundamental to Jesus when he says, there's one law, if you do this, this is the one thing, love one another. Amen. Amen. God is good.